Welcome to Cal and Dave vs. the Machine. My name is Kyle. And I'm uh, a lover of contra music. And I'm the machine. <laughs> you liar. This is a podcast <laughs> where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be the year 2018. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film A Star is Born. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Maybe it's time to let the old ways down Maybe it's time to let the old ways down It takes a lot to change, man Hell, it takes a lot to try You know, man, in the old days I always knew, like, you were gonna do something That you'd be all right it's the first time I'm worried about you. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. Tell me something, girl. Do you write songs or anything? A Star is Born from the year 2018. Oh, yeah. Not to be confused with the five other films. Not from 1937, not from 1954, not from 1976. I can't remember the three years, yeah. but, but the year 2018 mm -hmm. is what we're talking about here. I want to see the Judy Garland one. I haven't actually seen any of them. Yeah, we'll get into that here okay. in like literally three minutes probably from now. A big thank you, of course, to our patrons over on Patreon. Their contributions help us continue the show since, you know, the machine doesn't help us pay for these movies. Plus, each month we do a bonus episode there. Uh, we, we're talking about Honky Tonk Man. Gross. It's more country music that Dave my favorite. loved. It's, you loved know, it. <laughs> if I had to choose one genre of entertainment in general, it'd be country music. I just... Mm, he's just a hater. Just a hater. It's all about storytelling, Kyle. It's all about story. Unlike any other musical genre. You, you're dismissive. You're, you're so dismissive about it, but I think that is partly why people like it. <laughs> what music doesn't tell a story? I, I only quote that because that's what Blake Shelton said on The Voice. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the most <laughs> fucking ridiculous thing I've ever heard because every music, every song What's the, story, what's the story of Umbop, Dave? What's the story of Shallow? What is the story that's being told about Shallow? Well, should we do a, a pantheon of country music and talk about whether the stories in each of the songs make sense? I'm just saying, sense? if you put up like Jolene, for instance, that is telling you a beginning, middle, and end of a story. Oh, for fuck's sake. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Now, before we get into talking about this week's film, our lovely and loyal listeners, of course, know that we do a deep and rich fiction that continues on throughout. Oh my God. Dave, yes. I, I received a note. Good. On your iPhone. We're in 2023, right? On your smartphone. Yeah. Oh, I actually actually do with a couple of friends send letters back and forth. That's a real thing that I still do in the year 2023. You have pen pals? I do. Yeah. That should not be as surprising as it feels, honestly. Hook him up to a Fairfax, my pigeon, oh, and throw it out God. the window and just cross my fingers that it'll arrive in time. I just watched Michelle Yeoh's whatever that movie is, and one of the gags is that they send a carrier pigeon, but it's holding a watch that the spy has to put on. So they tied a watch around a carrier it's pigeon, amazing. which I thought was pretty funny. Okay, okay. moving on. We, we did that delivery here a few weeks ago to that person who looked a lot like DDS DDS. And I was like, maybe there's a relative of some kind mm. that, that through time. Yes, I remember this vividly. Yes. We received a note from them. Mm. Mm. Um, what did we say your name was? 
uh, human <laughs> female. Linda Human was her name. <laughs> Linda Human sent over this this note and it says, "Tell me something, boy." I don't know what this. I know it's very weird and ominous. I would say I, offensive, really. Kind of yeah. the boy is really what yeah what sets it off there. Yeah, dismissive. Uh, we'll get we'll get back to that. I'm sure the machinations uh, the I- of Kyle Marshall's mind. The machinations meaning making up bullshit three seconds before I push record because <laughs> I haven't done any work. It's been a while. I've been gone for a while. So yeah. not that people will understand that yet. Dave, something we did last season, the year 1982, that I thought was really interesting was kind of comparing the top 10 songs on the Billboard to top 100 versus like the movies that came of out. Of the year. We did that once. Yeah. 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 Uh, it mostly just kind of seemed like there was like was uh, Eye of the Tiger, for instance, was like the number three song. Um, uh, physical. Physical from uh, Olivia Newton-John. So like she was in movies and she was doing stuff and she was on the top of the charts. Seemed that uh, at least in the 80s and the early 80s, there seemed to be some sort of uh, communication between the popular art farms or music and, and movies mm. were at least communicating Informed with each other. Informed each other. I think that's how smart yeah. people say it. They informed each other. Luckily, there's no smart people on this podcast, so we don't no. have to worry about that. That's why we're on podcasts and not, uh, not on a broader medium that people actually listen to. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, uh, we are going to be talking, we are going to be talking a bunch about music probably this week. Okay. Is it though? Is it considered music? It's just country. Oh God. Well, okay. Her song is not. I thought I, we, it would be a good thing to take a look at uh, the charts Ooh. and see what's going on. Instead of um, making this be a surprise, because of when this movie gets released and when Shallow, like the single from this movie gets released, it actually does not show up in the top 10. It shows up in the top 10 the year after. Oh, because this is a late release? Okay. It was a late release and actually doesn't even hit the top 10. I think it's like the number 13 or something like that in 2019. It's good in the context of the film. I wouldn't play it on the radio. I heard this all over the place. That's because you listen to the radio. I don't listen to the radio. Then how Anyways, the fuck did the, it make it to your algorithm? It doesn't make any sense, Kyle. Oh, in shopping malls, because you were yeah, working in like a mall at the time. Okay, yeah, okay. it's like it was playing all the time. So that's the radio, because that's where they pull the thing on. So people that's did listen to it. So I'm not going to play, I, I want to play little selections, but only from the top five. But I'll, I'll just give you the top 10 here as we go through this. And this is top 10, me being okay. so out of touch and so white because I don't know if I know who any of these people are okay, okay. or what even these songs are. So you can tell me, Dave. Music, honestly, by the end of the 2010s, the concept of music is already collapsing in the popular mm-hmm. sphere. Yeah, they all sound the same. Yeah, and, I, and, and as you can see from even like what is streamed the most on Spotify, you can get into such a niche where it's like, a, do not know who that is. B, don't know what that song is. C, don't even know what that genre is. And yet that is like one of the most streamed songs in, in the world. All right, but here we go. Number 10 was Girls Like You by Maroon 5 featuring Cardi B. Oh, Jesus Christ. Do you know what that song is? Uh, awful, because Maroon 5 can go uh, eat a bag of uh, rocks. Rocks. He doesn't wear a shirt, Dave, it's so disgusting. he must be very confident. Also, I'm not a huge fan of Cardi B. I will say we watched a rap competition show and her personality is actually, mm-hmm. like, I understand why she made a lot of friends in the industry. She's pretty funny, but her music's awful. Mm-hmm. So. All right, let's move on. All right, music opinions by Mr. David Yen over yes, here. Number nine is ones. In My Feelings by Drake. Gross. I don't know what that song is either. Number eight, this is where it gets real bad for me. So it's The Middle by Zed, Marin Morris, and Gray. Oh, that's a good song. Do you know 
Is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Great. I have no idea what this That's is. That's on but. our family drive playlist on Apple now. <laughs> That's really good. It's uh, okay. Why don't you meet me in the middle? Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Yeah. Well, number seven, we're back to Cardi B with I Like It Gross. with Bad Bunny and Jay Calvin. I wonder what I wonder what she's talking about, Kyle. What is she talking about, Dave? She likes it. Mm-hmm. It must be like shopping. Mm-hmm. So number six is Psycho by Post Malone featuring Ty Dollar Sign. That's from uh, Spider-Man. Oh, you're right. The, the Into the Spider-Verse, right? I think right? so. You might be right on that one. Yeah. Here is where we get into the top five here. So, Dave, I am going to um, do some magic I'm here. already cooler than you. This is great. I love this. Yeah. Let's go. Sure screen. This is number five. Post Malone featuring 21 Savage. It's the song Rockstar. Parental advisory, this... people. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. No. When, when Don't it, do when that. It, there was a short trailers that happened before a song happened. Okay, here we oh, go. Music video culture has changed a lot. Just skip to the the hook. I know we're this is supposed to be lead. Fucking with me, call up on no Uzi and show up, man. I'm the shot. I can confidently say I've never heard this song in my entire no, life. No, I've never heard this song before. But all his songs sound the same, and uh, he was in a movie with a Netflix movie. It was He's kind of funny, too. I mean, they're all human beings, but uh, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, Bad Bunny, who was, oh, who was in Havana. that one, or in Gross. the first one, is like Skip. the number one streamed artist in the world. Skip. Like, he is Skip. super, super I already popular. know Havana. Skip. I'm not a big fan. Okay, Camilla well, number four Cabellos. is Havana. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Uh, featuring, uh, this is Camilla Cabello, featuring Young Thug. Again, another song I don't know if I know. Oh. Havana, Okay, I'm just going to skip ahead here, Oh my god, it's like it's, a short they're fucking They're making movies film. now. It'll be, it, the song's like three minutes long. Jesus Christ. The song's three minutes long. Oh, I have You know this song. song. This is a very popular yeah, yeah. song. Alright, skip, skip. I don't like the song very much. Skip, please. Can please. I say, can I say something really rude? <laughs> yeah. Why does it sound like she's bored while she's singing? She's not. <laughs> I, I still... So we watch a lot of competition shows of all types, mm-hmm. and she was a judge on The Voice, I guess. And mm-hmm. like most of these people are sweet on camera, so it's not like you know you don't get yeah. to be on TV if you're an asshole. But I still cannot, for the life of me, understand how some people make it. You know, I don't know what. Well, you have to do what, as it usually turns out, Dave. If especially for the people who are like, I don't get it. It's probably because um, their parents are in the industry. <laughs> It's probably what it is. Yeah. Also, what I think like, especially in this era, I know I'm getting old, but I do listen to young artists in sort of consciousness genres and things like that. So, I just don't understand this youth party culture. This is the car- culture that uh, prizes Cardi B's and what's the other woman's name? Uh, in your face club sex culture. I, I think this is a, a, a bias of some kind because there was just a report I read on how young people and they define young people 25 and younger I was gonna say under 25 yeah as compared to 15 years ago do not go out as often mm. so there's nowhere to go it's like right well that's the thing it's like where is there to go i grew up in club culture malls are collapsing people don't go to the movie theaters anymore yeah. clubs are are closing up like there's just nowhere for people to actually go to anymore it's all virtual right we're gonna be yeah. uh sex avataring soon Cannot wait. I'm a okay, prude. M- uh, number three is meant to be. This is BB Rexa with a uh, featuring the Florida Georgia Line. This has probably some That's a little uh, country twang c- in it. Country twang in it. Oh, I know this song. Again, Apple Music, Family Drive. Re- 
No, I've never heard this one. I have... Nope. You can turn that off. Yeah, that's awful. This is... Why are we letting this is, that this play? Is, this is bad country. Yeah, but <laughs> this is bad country. As opposed to good country. <laughs> yeah. I will. Why is she throwing trash in the back of this truck? Because it's a country music video. Of course she's in a back of pickup truck with a bag of garbage. I like that the right, it's a no. rebel, right? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> the rebel edition of a Dodge Ram. Because oh that's God. hip, yo. My my brother used to buy Ram trucks because it's just his initials, R-A-M. No know? comment. Yeah. Fun, fun fact. Good job. <laughs> there are two is Ed Sheeran, so he's doing perfect. You know what's amazing is about this... Ed Sheeran? What's that? So we, whenever we listen to, let's say, like a family playlist, mm-hmm. every other song is a fucking Ed Sheeran song. It is. And he's like all over the fucking place. I will place. give him this credit. They all have completely different tones and sounds. Like... Mm. I don't know if he's a talented singer, but as a production, as a producer, he can do country, he can do, like, electronica. There's some stuff that comes on and you think it's, I don't know, Harry Styles, and you look at the Apple Music app and you're like, oh, fuck, that's Ed Sheeran again. It's fascinating. I have heard this song. It's fine. Like, I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of... (laughs) I'm, I'm basically Ed Sheeran agnostic, I have to tell you. It's not like I hate him. No. I have never gone out of my way to listen to an Ed Sheeran song, no. but he's everywhere. Like, you cannot get out of it. Any playlist I listen to, there's going to be at least one Ed Sheeran he's song that shows up inside of it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. I did see a video. Someone shared a video of him where he could, if you just gave him essentially like a, a top 10 song uh, from any year, he could play it. Like, it was yeah. crazy. Like, he just had this in his memory. He seems to <laughs> always get into these copyright things. He's he's all over the map as far as his sound. He's kind of like, maybe it'll turn out to be one of those like Shakespearean things where when he's dead, it'll turn out there might have been a team of 10 Ed Sheerans. (laughs) There was no actual Ed Sheeran. Yeah, his output doesn't make sense because so, so I'll give him that credit. It's like he doesn't have one defining sound. Even his voice can Mm -hmm. change its modulation depending on what he wants it to sound like. So, you know, that's good for him. I don't like his music. Let's move on. There we go. Well, here's number one, uh, Canadian content Ugh, here. Uh, it is Drake again. Drake and God's Plan. Apparently, the budget was $996,000. douchebaggy opening. What a new- oh, oh for fuck's sake, we oh, gave God. it all away. <laughs> Don't tell the label. That's awful. I saw Denzel Washington. Just oh, skip, skip, skip. Most of these are movies. Why do these actually start with the song? No, always. Like, is this music, Kyle? I mean, you complain about country music. I would no. rather listen to that yeah, any day of the week than this. Though, right? <laughs> I, saying country music sucks doesn't mean I like Drake. Drake's worse. Oh, I feel bad because I'm so out of touch with everything. But wh- why is Drake popular? Drake created... Because I don't listen to his music either. No, so I don't, he I just, originated this. So, so, like, you know, the Post Malone, that era came out with this mm-hmm. sort of, like, vibey, electronic... Mm-hmm. Uh, synthesized hip hop sound, and then I, can get I don't know the if vibey stuff technically though, trap, but he does that mumble rap shit. Yeah, and yeah. that was he just hit the tone at the, at right, the right time. time. And I don't know, I don't study a popular, so it's not even hip hop; it's rap music. Like I, I do draw a fat line on that, but I don't know if he originated P-H-A-T, that sound. By the way, yeah, I don't know if he originated this sound or he just got lucky and it happened around him, or he was okay. just keyed into it. But as soon as he hit. It's like the weekend. He had one big thing and then all of 
popular African-American, you know, uh, social culture picked up on it. So he was sure. all of a sudden hanging out with basketball players and, uh, and like, yeah, you know, see, established hip-hop stars. The Raptors games yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So he just, he did a good job from a career perspective. Yeah. I just don't like his music very much. You both are out of your minds. I would die for Drake. I mean, definitely write in and tell us that we're wrong. I, I, I'd be open to hear that. Um, I just wanted to do this quick example of like how I think movies and music have completely separated from each other. Except for, mm -hmm. I guess, that one uh, song from the Spider-Man soundtrack has I don't know. cracked the top 10. But uh, there used to be a time where songs would often premiere in a movie. And then that was like the launching pad for the single. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I, I think movies have moved away from pop music more than the other way around. So Well, that might be true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I like I was surprised that Lady Gaga did the theme song for Top Gun Maverick. I was surprised that she performed it at the Oscars. Right. And I thought it sucked. And I, I just think Do you like it in the movie? Uh I didn't even realize it because Top Gun is such an eighties feel yeah. so when she throws this pop ballad in the background i was like you know that's just what a top gun movie is supposed to sound like and then in the extras i realized you know because they put the music mm -hmm. video the music video is ridiculous and uh i will talk about lady gaga in this episode i was not a big fan of her noisiness at the beginning but this it's this movie i realized that she might actually be able to sing <laughs> I think she can sing. Yeah, yeah well, she can. Let's let, let's get into that here then, because uh, that's the the state of the game, I guess, as far as if we just looked at top ten. Music's weird, like I said, the streaming fucked it all up too. Yeah, because that I don't know, it impacts it too. Because I know that like music, yeah. YouTube counts for plays and like oh, how the billboard it? is done, and TikTok plays does the same thing. So it all kind of really impacts these top tens. This is why they make films now. Right? Yeah. Like if you watch modern uh, music video culture, it's all high-end cinematography and people... I mean, that came out of MTV for sure, but now they do this thing where, yeah, it's a story and there's a director and people are credited for it, you know? Sure. Uh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that YouTube would factor in. I guess that's fair. Yeah, and YouTube and TikTok plays count towards what is considered the top 100. TikTok ought not to, but that's a whole other problem. A 10-second clip in 10,000 videos uploaded compound it to such a degree that you're now kind of influencing it in a weird way. I mean, I don't know how TikTok works, but Helen uh, showed me this that trend maybe from last year with Instagram, but you have to use their pre-sampled music. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. already you have a bias, right? Because yes. even if you want to listen to your own, and they do have a catalog of almost every licensable song, it'll open up and then it'll have whatever the algorithm has told you is popular. Yes. Everybody will just use the same song. That should not count towards a song's popularity because it is defined by Facebook. So, you know, Spotify has the same controversy. There's a article written about how uh, the rise in sort of Euro indie trip hop, electronic music was because this small group of producers made a deal when Spotify was small yeah. uh, to build a library for them. So, well, it's, it's similar to the Ed Sheeran thing we were just talking about, about yeah, there's certain producers' music that show up on basically every playlist, yeah. every gen pre-generated playlist that uh, Spotify has. So, yeah, there's a little bit of goosing in the game. Let's just put it that way. You know who has got to deal with the devil on Apple? Fucking John Mayer, who can just jump yeah, off a fucking cliff. <laughs> but every playlist has a John Mayer song. It's awful. Mm. I've thumbs downed so many John Mayer songs. And it keeps shoving yeah, them I, in my face. None of the algorithms really, like they give you this option of like, please don't yeah. show this to me again. But they always somehow yeah, they show back. up again. Deal with the devil. Like crabs. Um, all right. So <laughs> let's do the. <laughs> you know what? I'm fine with that. Yeah. that. 
We can go STD with John Mayer. I'm fine with that. The algorithm is working fine for me. I do want to get into the history with the people involved with this film. Let's start here. Because this is A Star is Born. Mm. This is this movie and a storyline that gets remade basically every 20 years ish every 20 to 25 years do you have any history with any of the previous movies no. at least i don't think so i know chris christopherson was in one but i haven't seen yeah. any of them the only one that i have seen is the actual original film from 1937 oh. which i'm going to get into a little bit later but it does follow basically the same story structure okay what's different there i think it's the only one yeah it, it's the only one where it's an actress trying to break into Hollywood. No, it's not a singer. All the other ones are a musician trying to break into becoming a famous musician. Okay. But the first one is all about growing up on a farm, girl who loves movies, gets on a train, gets disillusioned with Hollywood, meets a famous actor. He feels like he's impeding her process because he's an alcoholic, and so he kills himself. Like, the, the story structure... Sorry, spoiler for A Star is Born that's been remade four times with the same story structure. But still, the big difference is that he walks into the ocean. Like, that is how he kills himself. Mm. He, like, walks out into the ocean and drowns himself. I have not seen the uh, Judy Garland one, although I've seen some clips of that. Uh, Ditto with the Barbra Streisand, Chris Christopherson one. I've seen them perform their song, Greenwood? Green something. I can't remember what the song is called. Yeah. By all metrics, what most people will say is that the best one is the Judy Garland one. Mm. That's what fans think. That's what critics think. And there's the consensus on the worst one is the Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson version. Mm. I don't know, have not seen them either, either of them, so I cannot comment on whether I believe that to be true. I will but say that's a general consensus. I would not put Chris Christopherson as a top actor, and I've never been a huge Barbara Streisand fan, so I don't think it would. I, fit. I do like Barbara Streisand, yeah. although I think she does comedy better than yeah. dr- drama. Well, talking about that, let's talk about Gaga. Let's. What's your history with Lady Gaga? Yeah, I don't know. I think when she first came out, I think I just assumed she was puppeting Madonna too much, and also putting that to the such an extreme because that's what it took to be seen at that era. You know, what is that like mid two thousands or late two thousands or something like that? And I just I couldn't handle it. And I was really really anti pop music at that point. We didn't even have streaming services. I just ran like a handful of CDs or an MP3 player or something. So I was like hiding in this little burrow. And as she gained notoriety as both a pop artist, a shock artist, performance art, a performance whatever artist, and then she flipped it. Did she start doing the jazz stuff after this movie? I can't remember how it goes. Yeah. It, was, it was either right before or right after. So like then she started getting music industry credibility in a less extravagant way. It's kind of like Christina Aguilera, you know, once you realize they can actually sing, it changes whether you like their music or not. I wouldn't listen to a Lady Gaga song, but for me, when I first watched this film is when I started thinking, all right, well, at least she has ability under it. I just didn't understand what it took to get into the industry. It feels dismissive, but it is sometimes the truth when it's like, hey, I really respect you as an artist, but I don't really like what you make. Mm-hmm. But it, it's kind of how I feel. There are a bunch of songs, actually, from Lady Gaga that I do enjoy. But the first impression I had of her was Poker Face when I was going to the gym and it played all the goddamn time. I was like, I cannot deal with this song yeah. <laughs> one more time. It's just that thing that gets overplayed too much for you. That's the thing with pop music, right? You get the yeah. uh, the burnout too, which is, mm-hmm. uh, it's ironic because it becomes both important from a commercial sense, but then it destroys your reputation on the other side because people start associating 
like poker face yeah. with Lady Gaga, where she does actually have a lot of different types of music. It's just those, sure. those are the ones that hit, right? So, and then of course, he saw the things like the meat dress and right. the other performance art stuff that she would do with award shows. And so, for some of it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, do your Trying thing. Hard, I'm yeah. just, it's not my, my, my jam. What started to flip me, I will say this, as the one person who still watches Saturday Night Live, uh, she hosted one year. As far as I know, she's only hosted the one time, although I think she's come back as a musical guest. And it is one of the very, very few times where there was one sketch that was actually ended on a dramatic beat. It was not summed up with a punchline. And I was like, oh, that's like a really bold way <laughs> to do a sketch on what is essentially supposed to be a comedy show. And she really went for it. And I was like, oh, this is like super interesting. And was interrogating herself and what fame meant. It's actually very interesting that she goes on to do this movie because there were some similar themes inside of this one little skit that they did. And so that made me go onto YouTube and research her and see that that's kind of some stuff that she'd already been doing. I don't know what award show it was. It was the Grammys, American Music Awards, something like that. But she was essentially dressed as a man and did like this, like, I don't know. Victor, like acting Victoria thing, thing? And then, uh, yeah kind of a victor victoria thing going into a song and coming back out of it i was like oh like this is kind of very theatrical kind of my thing from that point i kind of started i think to enjoy what she was doing up. a lot lot more mm. uh and then when i heard this was going to be in this movie i was like yeah it kind of makes sense it's what she's been trying to do here a little bit and we'll we'll see how it goes and uh, when i eventually did watch the movie i was like yeah i mean it's good I, again i think we'll have a discussion of whether we think she should have been nominated for best actress or not this year wait she was or was not she was oh. yeah 100 this year oh man by the end of the year we're gonna have a lot of opinions about the oscars yeah. your favorite award show mm -hmm. and how uh, it's total bullshit that was the other thing i was gonna say this is like these weird statistics so three out of the four versions of a star is born are nominated for best picture oh it's the first the judy garland version and this one are nominated for best picture all three of those are nominated for best director and i think all at least two of them are nominated for best actress so it's this weird thing they get constantly gets awards and then the garland version the barbara streisand version and this version all nominated for best song and at least the last two win for best song so it's like it's constantly in the in those categories every single time okay that shows up how about Bradley Cooper? What do you think about Bradley Cooper? I like Bradley Cooper. I I think it's interesting when you see people that break in for I'm pretty Hangover is his breakout, right? Am I crazy? Was he? I would say so. He was in other yeah. stuff, but so you have a shock through. comedy guy who's now a dramatic actor. Wait, sorry, you're saying that Bradley Cooper was a shock? Oh, because well, he was in well, the Hangover. Well, the Hangover, you know, to yeah, blow yeah, up yeah. in a movie that was uh, a vehicle to just throw shit literally at a screen. Yeah. There's a very famous video, and now I can't remember who it is, but it's an Inside the Actors Studio episode. And I can't remember who the actor is that's being interviewed, but it's Bradley Cooper in the audience because he was a student there yeah. at the time asking a question. Um, so yeah, he's been a student of the game, let's say, for, for a long, long time. Yeah, I, I just like him. I think he can exude an intelligence when he's acting, which is nice for a handsome guy. He's got a pretty good range. I have to tell you. I kind of wrote him off at the beginning of his career. I found him like such a generic looking pretty boy. There's like, whatever. This is me always guessing wrong. It's like, he's going to be like out of this industry in five oh, years. Wow. <laughs> you were backing uh, Garrett Hedlund and- Yeah, uh, I was like, Garrett Hedlund is the future of Hollywood, <laughs> and folks. What's that? Like a Charlie- Charlie, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is his directorial debut. Um, and that's actually what I want to spend a lot of time talking about because I think that- uh, he shows a lot of promise yeah, a as a director specifically. Yes. But yeah, I think like you, I think I've seen him grow as far as range. I mean, he's obviously the voice of Rocket in the 
Cartoon. The Galaxy films. Uh, I like I liked Limitless and that Chef movie right. is in and like they're not yeah an Oscar winning films but he's fun in them and he can do yeah, I think he damaged, in good performances. and he can do funny and he can do all this stuff so I would say even in this film he does a pretty decent job I think that's as like the, the washed out actor yeah yeah we got rid of the stupid uh, premise that we haven't watched the film yet right because we don't have sponsors anymore well we have seen this film but, before uh, though because I watched it when it came out he's fantastic in this I I really liked his performance in this movie. When did you watch this movie the first time? It would have been streamed. So I don't know if we watched it in 2018 or uh, just after. But my feeling is pre-COVID. It's hard to tell anymore. I did not watch this in theaters. I watched this at home uh, in 2019, I'm pretty sure. So it would have been streaming the first time that I watched this right before the Oscars because it was nominated for a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's how I experienced this film the first time. And I think because I knew the story, I knew the story beats I think some people were kind of shocked by quote unquote the ending. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's that's what this story is because I'd seen the original, so I knew what kind to expect. The biggest surprise is him and Sam Elliott supposed to be unbelievable brothers. Yeah. I, I I still think it's like <laughs> I, I need to know the family history on that thirty year swing. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but, but whatever, I can I can suspend my disbelief. I like Sam Elliott should have been his dad as much as. You know, I don't like mumble rap. I have problems with mumble dialogue. So I I love Sam Elliott's gravitas. Half the uh, film I watched it this time, I had no idea what they were saying. Well, yeah, I'm so glad I had uh, I had subtitles on because honestly, there was a scene where him, where Sam Elliott and Bradley Cooper are speaking to each other. Yeah. I'm like. It's rocks falling off a cliff. I have no idea what these people are saying. (laughs) Like most important uh, interchange where they're actually talking about the father and why they are so angry. I'm just like, I don't love you. I'm just like, (laughs) I have no idea what's going on. Uh, Well, I'm I'm looking forward to jumping into this here again, though. Uh, So let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll take some sponsors. And then we come back. We'll talk a little bit more. We don't have sponsors. About A Star Is Born. You just can't get up. We do, actually. We do. It's actually up on the website now. Oh. Do you think you missed out on becoming a pop star? You know, it's funny. I uh, tried some singing competitions in university, right? I wrote mm-hmm. some music, uh, but I didn't miss out because I wasn't very good, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I think everybody- you never gave up on your dream, Dave. I think everybody wanted to be famous at some point in their life. I know I did, but uh, I definitely didn't have the chaps- I never tried to write songs, so I never had to worry about it. No. So <laughs> I wrote a, when we got married, I wrote Helen a song and performed it at our wedding. Yeah. It was in a studio with like four yeah. musicians. I thought, yeah. I thought the, the 72 F-bombs were a little aggressive mm. in this, uh, it, you know, I was <laughs> gangster rap blackout you wrote, drunk, but... so I'm sure it didn't turn out well, but fun. Yeah. She used to have a recording of it. I'm too embarrassed to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll, it'll unearth itself in like 20 years yeah. and you'll when we're die famous. of embarrassment. Yeah. Kyle and Dave, First the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. This week, I get to tell you about Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Here's the thing. In Alberta, you do get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. You can reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it is easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and 
you can feel good knowing that you are helping to give back to your communities with your utilities bills. You can learn more by going to parkpower.ca. Tell me about community foundations, yeah, Dave. I zoned out. So, Kyle, let me talk about community foundations, <laughs> specifically the Edmonton Community Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, which has produced the Well Endowed podcast. I gotta say, Kyle. Whoa. I don't think I'd be invited as a guest on that wow. one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, they're point for us one second. So, this podcast actually is not about penises, is it? No. <laughs> It explores God, the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation itself helps people create these endowment funds, and this podcast tells the stories of how they use these funds to intersect with the community. If you want to learn more, you can find them at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Perfect. Yeah. I said penis at least twice. Yeah, they're going to love that. It's like they're going to like stop giving us ads because of your <laughs> rampant disregard of the copy. Fault. It's always my fault. Yeah. All right, Dave. So we have sat down and, and rewatched A Star is Born, the 2018 edition. Uh, so we should probably give um, kind of an update to people who may not know what this movie We've is about. We've already talked about it. spoil the plot. Yeah, we, so let's just say. You spoiled it, if anything, in the first 40 we minutes are, we've been recording. Yeah. We've decided to go to uh calgary's folk fest so we're on prince's island park oh wow enjoying the folk fest a lot of people go to that it is shoulder to shoulder yeah it's great it's actually a great event ant-man himself attended two years ago and i can't remember what his name is oh paul uh paul rudd paul rudd was yeah, there? Paul rudd. like performing or just hanging yeah, out because he was shooting ghostbusters oh. so he just came to the folk fest oh just to hang out was, yep and uh, so someone rushes up and they have a DVD copy of A Star is Born from 2018, and they were like, hey, what is this about? <laughs> so you take that? out your earplugs, and you're like, what? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. We would say uh, a nearly washed up alcoholic country music star takes a young female artist under his wing and kills himself? I don't know. What, what, what do yeah. we say? It helps her to become... Helps her become famous. Famous. Sure. Yeah, as he's going through a downward spiral, she's going in an upward swing. So they kind of cross each other's paths mm-hmm. very briefly. Mm-hmm. And what were your thoughts on this rewatch? Yeah, it's it's good. It's, uh, as we kind of talked about already, it's well constructed. I think uh, I enjoyed Bradley Cooper's performance more than Lady Gaga's, but she didn't do a bad job. Like, I don't think she no. is bad in it. I just don't understand how this can be an Oscar-nominated performance. When she sings... I actually get the the chills, like she's good in it. And the songs, particularly at the beginning, are uh, are quite quite good. And I know it's country music, but she's she's good. And Bradley Cooper surprised me with his singing. Uh, you know, he's got uh, he's got a lot of character. He wasn't playing the guitar, was he? Or did he learn to do some of those riffs? I, that I do not know. I good. know that he learned he quote unquote learned to sing for this role. Yeah, but. I I hate when you watch older movies and they do really poor job puppeteering oh, music sure. musicmanship. Uh, but this one actually looked like he could hit some of those riffs. So it's fun to watch. I think my biggest criticisms, A, we, you know, having two grizzled old country people talking to each other is very difficult to follow. So if we didn't have subtitles, I think I would have missed the most important, I think, aspect of his trauma, which is him remembering his father one way, his brother remembering his father a different way, 
And in the end, when he's, you know, in his rehabilitation center, having to come to terms with the fact that, you know, he kind of lives in this uh, imaginary world is one of the reasons why right. he drinks so much. And then I didn't like how Lady Gaga twisted so quickly into radio pop music. I just feel like mm -hmm. the tone of being you know, like starting in a cabaret show or in a drag show, converting into a country music star, which is fine. But then as soon as she gets a shot, she's Lady Gaga. I thought it just kind of felt like the tone twisted a little too much at the end. So... So here is a wild thing I'm about to say. Okay. Because I think I've said this about one other movie we've talked about in our, you know, nearly 200 episodes. This is one of the few films that I think should be longer. <laughs> mm. Because there's so much stuff that they're trying to pack into this that it doesn't give it a lot of time to breathe. Ultimately, I'm actually a really big fan of this movie. But there are some deep things that I think is like, oh, I wish that this could just be slightly Push a little deeper into it, yeah. here and there. Or maybe remove some parts so other scenes can, can breathe mm, a little bit more. Yeah. I think you're right that that escalates a little bit too quickly. There, there is like the record producer there that is like, oh, yeah. you know, meant to be like the, the devil out. on the shoulder yeah. person. and like It's not thrown away. It's just... But, but the biggest thing that other people have written about is that if you really try and break down the timeline of this, it makes no goddamn sense. No. It's like a year, <laughs> feels like. Well, I yeah. guess, but like her song, she's saying one song... Her album hasn't been released yet, and she's nominated for a Grammy for Best New Artist. Yeah. It's like, that, you can't do that. No. That's not a thing that happens. So anyway, all that stuff gets really weirdly jumbled together that I think if we just let it say, like, you saw some extra scenes, I think it would, it would work a lot better. Or we, we watched something similar to that, where it was like, it was yeah. too big at the beginning. Maybe it was Creed 2. Like getting the belt too early. Yes. It's yeah, kind of similar to that. that. Was, it was just. It's similar, similar to it that. It breaks the spell. Where it's like, oh, like you have all the great elements here. You're just not allowing it. Which, by the way, I just saw Creed 3. And while I do agree it's better than Creed 2, it also has the same problem where it's like, this should have been two movies. Mm. You're cramming so much stuff into this yeah. movie that it just feels like you don't, you're not giving enough time to settle in on anything. Anyways, that all being said about this movie, my bold claim is also that the first 30 minutes, unassailably great. Yeah. I think that the first 30 minutes of this movie are like phenomenally good, and I forgot how yeah. good they were. Because I was re-watching this, and I was like, wait, is this really going to be like a five-star movie that I had forgotten yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. I honestly thought about it. I was like, well, this is really good. It then the dips. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, no, this is what I remember for sure. But like basically from like the opening scenes... Uh, and being introduced to the characters all the way up until her singing shallow for the first time on stage is like perfect. Yeah. Like would not change a single thing about it's like this. One of the great music movies. Yes. In it to win it. How uh, Bradley Cooper like frames certain scenes and how the cinematographer lights it. I've never seen a parking lot look as beautiful well, as this movie vibrant, does. But it is quite a great shot. Yeah. 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 But so I think he does a great job. A little on the nose. There's that one scene in the uh, in the limousine as they they turn the corner and like there's the four nooses that are like ah, framed in the back yeah. window. It's like okay, like a nice little bit of foreshadowing, but still a little bit on the nose. But regardless, I think the first three minutes are so good. And then yeah, the the timeline gets jumbled. And I think really ultimately what what I I, I struggle with is I don't necessarily disagree with the message, right? It's like hey, be yourself, like make the art that is most meaningful to you. Fine. Maybe I'm just thinking way too meta textually to this movie, and that's what's that's causing the hang up. But because you have Lady Gaga in this lead role, like what she is doing in the pop version of this character of Allie, her character, 
is what Lady Gaga does. Yeah. So she's saying, like, don't do this, but that is what she does outside of this movie. So there seems to be this weird disconnect of being like, pop music equals bad. And I was like, well, I don't know if I actually agree with that message specifically. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's pop music equals bad or if it was just bad pop music. You know, you get True. like a little Spice Girl type of, uh, you know, with backup or Beyonce. How, how dare you say something negative about the Spice Girls, Dave? Finally. Kyle starts talking since. So that I think that's where the tone for me, the magic spell broke. And I feel like, I don't know what she could have done differently or they could have done differently as far as imagining what rocketing to fame as a 2018 musician looks like. Maybe depending on her age, it could have followed more of a Taylor Swift or a Miley Cyrus. I don't know. I mean, they do do something similar, but it takes three albums, you know, for them to actually convert I mean. into like, like a pop star. And even then their music is still very country heavy, you know, like right. you can look at even Miley Cyrus has gone total pop, but there's still country in it. Uh, Influence, yeah, yeah. So I just felt like that's what, Kind of broke it for me. Not that this needs to be like a, a 10 year epic, but maybe it being more than like whatever it's supposed to be the eight well, months to a year that they're together. I've, it just feels like it's way too rushed yeah, through. I, I think I would have liked it if, like you said, if it wasn't a Grammy, but maybe it's a chart, you know, like the song oh charts and it's not dance pop and dyed hair, but maybe it's like, uh, I don't know if there are subgenres in country, but maybe it's like a pop country sound that she right. doesn't like. Or that might have been the better way to do it. This is us now rewriting a movie that uh, won a bunch of Oscars. But uh, is uh, there is a pushback if you get into huge country music fans of being like the distinction between like I like actual country music versus I like pop country music. There is a very clear division between those two things. Yeah, I, I just presume that because that's just the way music works. Although now, like in twenty twenty three. There's really no genre left. Everything's mishmash, right? Yeah, it's all kind of feeds in on itself. If you wear a cowboy hat, you're a country music singer. I don't, I I don't even know if that's true anymore because of that little Nas X song. It's like, I, even that mm. bridged the unassailable gap. Sorry, sorry. Right? It's if you're white and wear a cowboy hat, you're a country music artist. Well, I think that's fair. Yeah. I, yeah. Who else wears fucking cowboy hats other than people <laughs> with pickup trucks who listen to country music? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, are you making fun of my Ram truck, Dave? Your life is a complete travesty. Uh, so I I don't know enough about uh, country music, obviously, because I'm a hater, uh, to yeah. design how a career could work. But all of the, the ideas of uh, producer interference and losing a core message. I mean, if she wrote Shallow, the character, yeah. then she, you know, she's made to sing a song about, I don't know, dancing on a bar top in a country music bar or whatever pop country it looks like these days. I think that would have been uh, more believable and kept us still in that pocket. And Lady Gaga is completely capable of making that uh, music work, I think, because she actually is a competent singer. But whether it was her or Bradley Cooper just kind of uh, respecting who she was as a pop music artist at the time and just wanting her to do her thing, I don't know. Um, it was too big of a swing for me. And the music got cheesy and it just turned into a bit of a stereotype, you know, like, oh, background dancers and dyeing your hair and wearing these clothes. Like, I don't know. It's, we could have gone a different way and moved too quick. And you could, I don't know, is it enough for her to chart for this guy, Bradley Cooper, to feel like, I think so. I, I think one of the things about addiction that people don't really understand is it doesn't always take heavy visible trauma to set people off. So for this guy sure. to be suicidal, even if she, 
doesn't want to be around him because <laughs> she finds him exhausting. Could be enough for him to hang himself. So we don't need her to be at the Grammys, right? Yeah, again, and I don't know how the other two movies do it, but how the original movie bridges this thing is there's a similar choice where he's an alcoholic, he's trying to get better, but continually falls off the wagon. And then she makes the decision, you know what? I'm going to give up my career because I care about you enough yeah. and I want to get you healthy. Yeah. And I don't care about my career. I'm going to come and help you. And he's like, no, your career means more than my life. And that's why he takes it. Fucked up. And, but that's kind of sometimes the mind of the addict, yeah. but it does give him a reason to go off and do it. Yeah. Where this one, I don't know if it really bridges that gap effectively. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it does a good enough job that, you know, this mm -hmm. movie does get nominated for awards, but uh, I think it's because the spell is broken by that point. I think if she had become, again, I, I don't want to overstate that I have the right answer, but let's say she stayed within the country genre, but she found... Uh, a type of success that he was not able to participate in. Sure. Um, whatever that means. But it wasn't pop Grammys and you're going to be an international touring superstar. On Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Maybe it was like going to be more just, uh, you know, bigger stadiums. Although he's already a pretty big star. So I guess that's where they got trapped. It was hard to make a distinction between the two. But Yeah. Because I mean, it's been a while since I've seen that original movie. He, he is a famous movie star. But I think hasn't had a hit for a while. Yeah. I think that that's where his career. So we still know he's still well known, still liked, but hasn't had actually had a hit movie for a while. And this, I mean, yeah, he's in like the uh, outdoor concert scene and going to those types of things. But I wouldn't. It, it doesn't seem like he's Lostal, yeah. not popular anymore. Think, like there's streaming crowds still going after him. Yeah, I liked when they were doing the bit about him going deaf and about uh, the Roy mm -hmm. Orbison show. And I yeah, think yeah, yeah. if they had kind of played that from the beginning more and not have him in front of Stadium Rock and her break just being beside him in like a smaller venue so that when she yeah, becomes yeah, a Stadium yeah. Rock country star, right, we might yeah. have had a more believable gap. But yeah, he, he does, his collapse is... His collapse and her rise are just, I think they're just a little too far apart. And by the end, I just found myself uh, invested in his storyline, but also questioning whether it was real anymore it just felt cartoonish so well that that's the weird thing it's like i'm saying a lot of negative things right now but by the end of this i'm still oh yeah compelled still and i still moved. really like this movie so it's like i like this movie in spite of itself almost it's like oh there's all these little nitpicks i have i didn't like the last song ultimately i, I still am carried through by i think the power of the direction the power of the performances that i'm just like yeah whatever i'm i'm on board even though i have like these really serious nitpicks because again i know who i also love in this movie is um her best friend who was in, oh, uh, the, guy. in the Heights. Yeah, yeah. It's Anthony Ramos. Yeah. I think he's so good in this he's movie. Very good in this movie. <laughs> There's little things he does like in the background where he's like being like super overjoyed yeah, by yeah. her performance and like these little ticks that he they does. Should have brought to, him back a little bit character. more after. I think so too. He gets so disregarded uh, yeah. partway through this. I mean, even Andrew Dice Clay does kind of a effective performance as yeah, her dad, yeah. which is weirdly bizarre. It's fantastic in this movie. All the Sinatra bits are hilarious. Him being supportive yeah. and working, like, he's very good in this. If he had, for mm -hmm. example, been, no I don't think he was, but nominated for no. supporting actor, I, I would find that more believable, I'm sorry, Lady Gaga, than Lady Gaga being nominated for Best Actress for this film, right? Actually, weirdly enough, I remember at the time when the Oscar buzz was coming out before the nominations were released, and they were talking about it, and, like, Lady Gaga honestly was a bit of a lock, and, like, we're pretty sure she's going to get it, but in the Wait, supporting did she win actor- for this? 
No, okay, no, okay. not for, oh, no, for but nomination. That was, remember, it was okay, Olivia yeah. Coleman, yeah. right? Yeah. Olivia Coleman won for yeah, Best Actress this year. Bet, much better sense. But for Best Supporting Actor, there was this thing. It's like Sam Elliott is a maybe, but could Andrew Dice Clay get nominated? It's like there's there's a reason he could be. And actually, there's some people pulling for uh, Dave Chappelle as well, who does a pretty He's effective pretty performance in this. In this. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing about, I, and again, I don't really understand the impact of what the director does to the final product per se, because there is such a mm-hmm. large crew of people that oh, have sure. creative input and and their um, vision is reflected, right, in the tone and the pacing of the film. But his use of these character actors around it, I mean, Dave Chappelle's a very underrated really actor because he's such a shit disturber, but sure, um, he's, he's great. He's great in this and the... Uh, well, one thing that apparently I've learned that was a Cooper encouragement, I, I would love to know, I feel like he must be a Robert Altman fan because Robert Altman does this all the time, which is have characters talk over each other. Mm. <laughs> but people do that all the time where like jump in as someone is finishing a sentence and stuff like that. And I think that whole scene in like the uh, the shopping where she's getting like the peas to <laughs> put on his face and, or on her, her face because she got punched. Her hand. Her, her hand. hand. That's right. But it feels so natural. It feels like you are actually listening to two people walk around and talk yeah. in a shopping market. And it's actually really hard to pull off, I think, yeah. sometimes to make it sound that natural. I'm with you. The first, as this movie opens and as we get to her breakout, like I was in it. I was like, I, mm. this is a good this is a good mm-hmm. set. <laughs> but I, yeah. I think this proves my, my theory, though, is like, if you nail your beginning, you can give it such free reign for yeah. like at least 20 or 30 minutes after that, even if it kind of goes off the rails you get a that bit. momentum. It's like, yeah. it's like whatever, I'm, I'm in this, I'm invested in this. My other little nitpick, and I know it shouldn't bother me so much, she comes on to perform it and somehow the entire band has been orchestrated yeah, yeah. and knows how but to play music. along. That's music uh, movies, right? Like dance movies are like that. I know you have to kind of, you know, if we, you know, then you get into thing like, Oh, how come uh, they don't have a 10 minute section of them practicing the choreography or how come you never see a guy yeah, take a yeah, shit yeah. in the film or, you know, it's like you have to, you have to separate yourself. So I agree. I, you know, when she reluctantly takes the stage and all uh-huh. of a sudden they have a fully realized uh, production of the song that Bradley Cooper only heard once in a piss drunk in a parking well, lot. That's, it knows what key she sings in and all this other stuff. Yeah. That's a mess. But anyways, uh, it was but fun. I, I, I can actually forego that. It's like the littlest of nitpicks. It's in, a good in, song. Yeah. But actually that moment she steps on stage again. On the beach, he steps on the stage. You can see Anthony Ramos in the back, like freaking out. Yeah. Like it's so good. Do you know who wrote the music for it? Willie Nelson's son. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know there's like five credited writers on this song, so it's like there's a oh, bunch of people. Oh, not shallow, but like for the film, uh, he was brought in as the oh, advisor for the music. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay. Is Willie Nelson still alive? Yes. Amazing. Yeah, sure is. Miraculously, as me and him are sworn enemies, and we're destined to end each other. Here is my. Somewhat of a hot take. I don't think it's even that hot anymore. I like the music of the song Shallow. I think it's such a big earworm. It's been in my head for the past week since I've watched this. I think the lyrics are bad. Mm. (laughs) I think they're actually actively bad. And it's so shocking to me that five people were writing this song. Because you would think one of them would be like, maybe we should write better lyrics to this song. No, isn't that telling that five people touched it? Because here's my thing, and this is where you're going to get mad at me. I know you're going to get so frustrated. It's a very Dave thing to get frustrated at. <sighs> I know that in pop music, lyrics are actually not that important. Mm-hmm. What's important is the music and the hook and getting people to either dance along or understand what the chorus is so they, they can sing along to it. That's the whole purpose of pop music. It is not a lyrics first medium. 
but it still frustrates me. It frustrates me to no end because I am the believer that it takes more talent to write songs that actually rhyme properly than songs that use slant rhymes all the time. This is something that like rap and, and hip hop are really good at, where they actually use real rhymes. Mm-hmm. And that's but again, they're a lyric first medium. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I tend to like those better. Just as an example, I'm gonna bring this up so I can read it. Is so the lyrics to shallow. So tell me something, girl, is how it opens up, which in and of itself I think is not the greatest way to open up a song. But whatever. <laughs> tell me something, girl. Are you happy in the modern world? Which are, is a forced rhyme. They're making girl and whirl rhyme and then any than D on there. It's a slant rhyme that bugs me. And if you, when you start to notice it, it's in every pop song. <laughs> so petty. Uh, that okay. They, that okay. They, yeah. Uh, and you can say like, well, maybe they're not supposed to rhyme. It's like, well, then later on, it's a really weird coincidence then that boy, like tell me something, boy, aren't you tired trying to fill that void? So boy and boy or what they're rhyming there, and then again, adding on the D. So it's not an actual rhyme. It's like, it's it, it, when you sing it, you can make it sound like it's rhyming, but it isn't actually rhyming. Yeah, it's pretty petty. That's pretty petty. I know. No, I, I can't support that. There's too much in any poetry medium which breaks this demand of hard rhyming, especially hip-hop, spoken word, I'm not saying, sorry, I want to make very clear, because I thought you might say this. I'm not saying that songs have to rhyme to be good. I'm saying if you're going to use rhymes, then use perfect rhymes, because I hate it when they don't. I don't know. I think that's just you being neurotic. And I, I think that's too much Broadway musical influence. And again, I can't speak to the specifics of every Broadway composition ever made, like you might be able to, but there's a difference when the lyric is required to push forward a narrative like in sure. a musical show. Yes. Uh, but like if you listen to opera, it doesn't do that. Well, it depends on what language you're listening to it in, but sure. Yeah, it's it's different. I find, I think I'm also softened to this because if when you listen to international music, Korean rap, Japanese rap, whatever, it's fundamentally impossible. It's just not the way the language works. So uh, they have to use a lot of forced... Uh, and polyrhythmic, I don't know, not songs, not just lyrics, but uh, performance. What am I thinking of? Who cares? So, I don't know. I, I've never really noticed it too much. I do. I will follow you on the fact that the lyric should either try to tell a story, which is why I hate modern rap music, because most of them can't. They're literally right. just rhyming, and it's a fucking joke. Or if you're going to be an abstraction, then just like let that run in a fantastical way and just get away from telling the story. This is one of the things that old country makes me irritated. A, they tell the same fucking story, no matter what, about some person being alone and depressed and needing to drink too much. And B, that uh, it's a little too literal. I think some of the classics that have crossed genres, like if you want to talk about Jolene or something, some of the Dolly Parton songs uh, that can make the transition into popular uh, interpretation, they aren't that and close cultural. I think I understand where you're getting at. I don't like nitpicking on the formal thing, but I wouldn't say that I think closer is, a, or what is this, a shallow, shallow is a really well-written song. Um, yeah, it's just... It's yeah. moving because of the way she performed it, you know? And I think as a duet, it worked really well because uh, you get that uh, call, what do you call it? The back and forth, uh, you know, because they can sing to each other, which is fun. But I, I wouldn't, I don't listen to that song. It's not on my True playlist. I, I, but I, I, think, I think what I was trying to build up to 
is that even though the other song, which now I'm blanking on, that she sings, This Is Us or This... The la- I didn't like the last song, whatever she sings at, not The Wake. That is a Whitney Houston song. Yeah, that just didn't fit. The, but the other one, that there's another song they sing halfway through, and now I can't remember what it's called. I think that's actually the better song, but it wasn't the one that broke mm. through out of this movie. You know what would have been good if the final song had been a country song? And I think if sure. we'd have done a callback to just reference where Bradley Cooper's character came from, I think you would have at least had a stronger ending. But again, went full pop, pop ballad and just talking about the overall tone uh, musically of this film, it, it lost its way in the middle. And I can't nitpick about how the songs themselves are constructed, but... The, the, I'm finding things to criticize yeah. more than anything, but uh, that's my diatribe on lyric writing that has been this way for... 75 years so i should yeah but here's the here's the thing about it dave there are examples of bands and artists that do do perfect rhyming you know what one of them the biggest one of the biggest bands in the world of all time was abba go to any abba song perfect rhymes all the way through and it's still on the pop beat it's still poppy and catchy it's not really telling a story most of the time do you know the lyrics of abba songs (laughs) yes i do dave So this Isn't that is shocking to you that I know the lyrics. This is your own idiosyncrasy, right? This is just a this is like a mm-hmm. this is a neurotic thing that you need in your brain. Country songs also mostly also rhyme perfectly throughout too, yeah. which is a truck and fuck, right? Great. I Good know job. so hard sometimes. So come up with what's gonna rhyme with truck this time. I use four by four. What can I do? More by more? Cabin, cottage. <laughs> Shack moonshine <laughs> dead horse what am i supposed to rhyme with dead horse <laughs> okay so let's do some backstory here then uh this movie opened up uh, actually it premiered at the venice film festival on august 31st of 2018 but didn't actually release in the theaters until october 5th of 2018 currently is rated 3.6 on letterboxd has a 7.6 on imdb has an 88 on metacritic and on rotten tomatoes from 534 critics, it has a 90%. Holy shit. And from 10,000 plus users, it has an 80%. It is available on DVD and Blu-ray. It is also available to rent on both YouTube and on iTunes. Its budget for this movie was $36 million. That's pretty high. Um, my guess, I mean, I'm sure Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, ha- oh, actually, no, I know something about this. It is high, but I'm wondering if it's because they filmed on location. Oh, yeah. Because those were, he's actually filming it's at those venues. venues. Yeah. He's actually at Saturday Night Live. He's actually at the Grammys. He's actually at the, yeah. another big thing. So they must have had to pull some shrinks to like film at those locations while those things were going on. Yeah, I would assume that as the actor-director, he would not necessarily fold his salary into the budget either. No. So uh, I was going to get to this. He, uh he actually did not get paid as being a director for this. Mm. He actually took points, yeah. which actually netted him so much money. Because <laughs> as you'll find out, it made $436 million. That's crazy. So his plot description from IMDb is, A musician helps a young singer find fame as age and alcoholism sent his own career into a downward spiral. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Dave, I, unfortunately, we cannot play a game this week because there was no tagline for this movie. That's surprising. It is surprising, yeah. isn't it? Goo goo for gaga <laughs> is what I would have said. <laughs> You'll hang yourself for this feature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Christ. man. So, of course, stars Bradley Cooper as Jackson Maine. Lady Gaga as Ali Campana. Campana? Campana. I didn't know she had a last name. Know why you don't? They go to such great lengths of never saying her last mm-hmm. name in this. It's always Ali or the girl yeah. or her. Uh, and it's in the credits. Cinematography 
was by a guy by the name of old Matthew Libatique, who is a very extensive career. His top four, according to IMDb, are this movie, Pie from 1998, oh. Requiem for a Dream from 2000, oh, wow. and Black Swan from 2010. Oh, so wow. all Darren Aronofsky movies. Yeah. So he was a Darren Aronofsky guy for a long time. Pie is interesting. This is Black Boy. That's a fucking weird movie. I like Black Swan a lot. So Black Swan's great. This is when I need to do the biggest breath I have never seen. If you, I, I don't know if you know, because you never look at credits apparently while a movie uh, is. No, uh, turn it off. But even when this movie starts, there is a huge splash page of like the writing credits for this movie to take up like the full screen. So this movie is written by Eric Roth, Bradley Cooper, and Will Fetter, based on the 1976 screenplay written by John Gregory Dunn, Joan Didion, and Frank Pearson, and also based on the original screenplay from 1954 written by Moss Hart, which was also based on a story by William A. Wellman and Robert Carson. Jesus. Yeah. It's, but isn't that just Hollywood form that everybody has to have their name on it? There is, there is certain rules you have to do when there is an adaptation, yeah. yes. You have to credit it. And because... The 1937 one was based on a story yeah, treatment. I just want to make Those sure that... Those two always have to be credited as being a part of it. Directed by Bradley Cooper. Mm. Uh, I am not going to go through all four of the different movies, but briefly, from 1937, as I mentioned, uh, it's about an actress, starts from humble beginnings, meets an actor, he kills himself, all that uh, bad stuff. While some of the same plot beats are echoed throughout all the different versions, one of the things that is true from the original as well is that they do get married, he stays sober for a while, goes to a sanitarium, and then eventually kills himself. That's kind of been the big thing that goes through apparently all four of them. Original film was a hit. Uh, at the time, received huge positive responses from critics. Nominated for Best Picture, Director, Actor, Actress. And it would win Best Original Screenplay, because at the time, it was an original screenplay. Now, there is some debate here, because the who they were taking inspiration from. There's numerous theories about who it is that they're actually writing about here. The one that seems the most likely to me is that it's based at least in part on this guy named John Bowers, a silent film star who also killed himself by walking into the ocean. But there's these other people that people have debates on because it follows their lives very closely. I think all this is to say, Dave, Hollywood is an awful place and these terrible things happen to a lot of people seeking fame. I think it's really what we're coming down to. It's the pressure of living for external validation. It tra- the reason why films and stories like this speak to us is because it transcends their actual experience and we live a lot of this stuff, you know? I, I don't want to presume that everybody's had thoughts of uh, not continuing, but uh, we certainly all, I think, struggle at some point with uh, where we place and how we relate to other people around us. And when it takes an extreme form, it makes a melodrama in a Hollywood or music industry standard because we all mm. idolize and worship these people for better or for worse for worse for worse but uh, we do do that uh so you get it's like watching a grecian treasure or watching gods die right and that's yeah for our entertainment yeah, yeah. And that's a fascinating method of storytelling uh, the human experience is very real you, you see this mm-hmm. all the time like in korea they have one of the highest rates of suicide because the pressure of uh being a successful businessman for example uh, or a successful student is just too high i don't know it's uh, it's not hollywood that's inherently awful it is an awful place by reputation but if you go to calgary there's some neighborhoods you can go to where uh, it's equally fucking d- desperate and depressing mount royal okay so for this project there is a long production history 
This is a story for whatever reason that really interests filmmakers. Actually, do you have an idea on that? Is it just like Hollywood making movies about fame like that they'd like to do? Or do you think there is another reason why this story has been remade four times? No, it's Hollywood making movies about alcoholism. You're drunk. When you look at writing in general, <laughs> writing writers seem to come from a place of trauma, right? I mean, this, if you think about any How creativity- How else do you write stories, Dave? Yeah, I mean, if you look at any creative process, if you haven't suffered a lot, then why are you putting yourself out there? It's it's something that has to come in relation to something else. It's Well, uh, I mean, it's this is a very embarrassing, but uh, I uncovered this um, file folder of old stories I had written in like my early 20s, trying to write about relationships and love that I had not yet even experienced yet. And it is so embarrassing. It's like, this is written by a person who has not experienced yeah. a single thing before in their life. And so that's, that's a, I think that's a core element of this. It may also explain why there's a bit of a dearth of original writing in popular film today, because maybe, I don't know if this is fair, maybe younger writers uh, are too uh, secure. I think there is something to that when, uh, how many times in like 1982 or 1971, when we did those seasons, oh, it was like man. fought in the war or was like a criminal reporter yeah. or was like suffered these huge hardships and then became a screenwriter. Right. And it's like, I think you can tell like, that, but yeah. that this someone had a life that they went and did. There's, yeah, mostly journalists turned into screenplay writers or court yeah. reporters or lawyers or people that saw dirt, saw how gross mm -hmm. humanity is. And then even if they write a rom-com, it has this lived experience because, you know, right. um, there has to be something in it that grounds it in common human experience. And I think that alcoholism, addiction, and searching for fame are universal, uh, at right. least North American uh, experiences. Uh, I think that there's a bit of laziness and it's so hard to write an original screenplay when one exists already that puts this in a 90, well, it, 120 minute. Uh, story. I think this sure. is a two-hour film. So I think that's why I don't necessarily like this idea of remaking, but as you and I are trying to write something, it's very difficult, right? To yeah. create original voices and to steer away from tropes and stereotypes and essentially tell the same story anyways. So if you have this kind of budget and you can just take a project and say, oh, well, we'll reinterpret it, even though it's the exact same thing, we'll just use better cameras than good for them. I don't know. I just think it, it must tell something about the time that it comes out. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. Um, they, they often they actually use this a lot for um, the James Bond series of films where I don't maybe outside of the very first one, like Dr. No. But after that, none of those films are really commenting or like forward facing, like pushing the culture forward, they're commenting on the culture that they are currently yeah, in. Yeah. So it's like a very specific time and place, which is why when you look, go through like the Roger Moore films, it's like, oh, they're talking about black exploitation because that was what was big and popular at the time. Oh, they're talking about Kung Fu movies because those were really popular at the time. Like you can see what was actually important in the culture at the time that they actually came out. I think we, I, I learned doing this uh, podcast exploration, how many lighthearted or... <laughs> broken films actually have such short production times. And so you have to write mm -hmm. in a moment. And some of the bigger epics seem to take years to develop, right? Or they yeah. sit on a book that was written um, that had bigger cultural weight uh, and then just spending time to kind of like squeeze that into a film. This thing is uh, time tested. This film has a longer production history because the first inklings of them remaking the story happened in the mid 90s oh, yeah. where they wanted actually Will Smith yeah. to be the star. That's where it starts from. Ridiculous. He eventually drops yeah. out. 
then they, there's some renewed interest in 2011. It's like Aaliyah, right? And Aaliyah, yeah, yeah that's who they originally were going to pair. Him, actually, once Will Smith dropped out, I think it was Jamie Foxx and Aaliyah right. is who they were thinking about. But uh, whereas fast forward all through that, 2011 comes, and I think this is around the time of American Sniper. So Clint Eastwood is interested to do this as a remake and for Bradley Cooper to star. They're kind of ready to go by the sounds of it. And it's like, it's going to be Bradley Cooper. It's going to be Beyonce. And it's going to be Clint Eastwood directing it. Ridiculous. And then Beyonce gets pregnant. And Clint Eastwood is like, well, I make, oh, sorry. I make one or two movies a year. I can't wait around. (laughs) So he doesn't. (laughs) He he goes off to make two another movie. And uh, Will Fetters, one of the co-writers, said that that adaption was based primarily on Kurt Cobain. That is how they were going to frame the story. So uh, eventually Cooper decides to direct it himself. And in order for Warner Brothers to sign off on a first-time director, he forgoes a salary and instead signs his back-end deal, which just means that he gets a percentage of the gross. Which, based on this, must have meant that he did 1%, because apparently he made $40 million (laughs) at the end of this. Mm -hmm. So, good for him, I guess. Send some of that money to us. Yeah, We just watched your film, bro. Cooper didn't initially want to even star in this film. He said he wanted to focus on directing, but his very first choice of Jack White uh, was rejected by the studio. And so, he was like, fine, I guess I'll star in this movie, too. There is also a fight with the rights to this movie. So a man by the name of John Peters owns the rights to the story A Star is Born and has owned it for a while. His name does show up in the credits. He was in a relationship with Barbara Streisand for a while, which is why she is in that movie in 1976. He's an incredible asshole. Mm. A weird bit of coincidence. If you have watched the movie Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson, Bradley Cooper plays John Peters in that movie. Weird. And he is a raging psychopath in that movie, but it's apparently based on true events that he did. He's a real piece of work, basically known for being belligerent, accused of numerous sexual assaults and abuse. But because he owns the rights, his name has to appear on this movie. Cooper, however, made a rule. Cooper made it a rule that Peters was not allowed on the set during the filming of this movie. Though technically he could have. As a producer on this, he was well within his rights to walk on set. But he was barred from set uh, and, through some shenanigans, I guess, was not eligible for any of the Oscar wins. Had they won Best Picture, he would not have been able to go up on stage to get the award. Mm. Anyway, just a weird little confluence of things. (laughs) He's like my best friend. Good dude. From what I remember hearing, although I could not find verification of this, so I don't know how true this is, but I thought I'd heard that Lady Gaga herself petitioned to be in this movie. Mm. I actually don't know if that's true. Regardless, her involvement, once she is cast, is what gives Warner Brothers the green light to say, okay, yes, go ahead, start filming, which begins in April of 2017. I don't know if this was the first movie. I can't imagine it was. But one of the big things, if you read articles about this movie, is that they always talk about Oh, it's using the PIX system. It's this movie that's using the PIX system. P-I-X. No idea. From what I can gather from looking into this, because after the third time, I'm like, what the fuck is the PIX system? Yeah. I don't know what this is. Yeah. It is a thing where when you are recording for the day, because this is shot on digital cameras, so you're shooting it, and it gets uploaded into the PIX system so that then executives in Hollywood can watch on their phones or on their computers all the dailies oh. that have been shot. So it's like an automated system. They won a special Academy Award for developing this software and this hardware. So I guess it's a big deal. I don't know. That's sounds exhausting. It's a lot of rando footage and potentially a lot of interference. But since the 1954 version, 
What's become a bit of a tradition is that there is music in A Star is Born. Lady Gaga does help to write a couple of the songs. The album to this movie would sell extremely well. And because of her wins in the music categories, she is the first ever woman to win an Oscar, a Golden Globe, a BAFTA, and a Grammy all in the same year. Oh, wow. All for doing the music for this movie. That's basically what she wins it for. Talking about awards, this would be nominated for a bunch. This movie would be nominated for eight Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Song. It would only win for Best Original Song. She's going to get an EGOT, isn't she? She's close. She needs a Tony. Yeah. Well, she's totally going to get one then. Because she'll go on Broadway at some point. All she needs to do, this is how Jennifer Hudson got her EGOT, become a producer on a Broadway show. It's the easiest way to do it. Then you don't even have to star on Broadway. No, but it's Lady Gaga. They'll just build a show for her. Actually, you could probably make a Star is Born musical if you really wanted to. I do want to call it once again, I think that Bradley Cooper is a very talented director. And for some reason, I had not remembered that. And I think he actually has a really great job of framing scenes, Mm -hmm. of letting actors act. I think this is true for any actor turned director. They know how to coach actors Mm -hmm. to give good performances. I don't know if that's entirely true. So I think that's good. And that's why I'm super excited for his uh, Leonard Bernstein biopic that's coming out this year. That's his follow-up. Yeah, he's good. It's got a good tone to it. It's very, very watchable visually. But we do have our hangups about some of the decisions on the tone of the film towards the end so that we have to put that on his shoulders as well i think maybe if i haven't made it clear i think there is a reason why this gets remade and i think it yes might be the alcoholism in general but there is something compelling about this about someone fading someone rising and they're crossing paths at the same time it's not the alcoholism itself it's not the drinking problem it's the desperation it's the what's the right word i can't think of good uh, good words today despondency i don't know just being alone Right? Because I think everybody Mm -hmm. feels that at times and feels hopeless. I think maybe the other thing that's compelling about stories like this is that we question why they feel so alone when they have everything we wish we had, right? Talent, fame, good looks. It's almost like material goods doesn't actually make you happy. Yeah. So there's something interesting in that. And then they have the counterpoint with this girl has everything that she wants and uh, is successful and also suffers because uh, not because of the material goods, but because her love. can't handle it. These are fascinating themes. Three or four things in my notes app here that we have not talked about that I just want to quickly go through. First is the drag performance at the beginning, which seems like super political now based on people picketing outside of drag performances. I don't know what's going on. There's a new book I'm reading called Doom, which is pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. I like the parts with the sandworms in it. The, uh, not Dune, although I did I just read. I, I, fuck, Kyle. I tried to rewatch it with Helen and it took us three nights because she kept falling asleep. <laughs> But she liked it. Doom, the politics of catastrophe. The first chapter was talking about the culture surrounding death. And the second one about how we, as, as human beings, create a cult around the end of the world. And uh, the second chapter is fascinating when I think about all the extremism that's going on. Because there is this age-old religious context that we think that everything that's happening now is going to kill us. So if you look at the way these extremists frame it, it's like drag queens are going to be, are their harbinger. harbinger of the end of yeah. times, you know? The Jewish control of the media is telling us that we're going to all fucking die in 2024 or whatever. And the only way to reverse that Are is by my worshiping again? Trump or whatever it is, right? We have our Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. That's just so fucking weird because it's made people so 
extreme and violent, but is also a recurring pattern in history. I mean, yeah, I, like, again, if you have been so brainwashed to be like, these people are literally going to try and grab your children and like drink like, their blood. Uh, and yeah, you're gonna be like, I'm going to kill them. Like, I know that the anyways. irony of uh, if you look at the statistics of who, you know, pedophiles and fucking rapists end up being it's generally not drag queens. My priest told me that there are bad news. This, this is going to sound weird. But the nose touching scene. Mm, yeah, it's cute. Where he traces her nose. I think you're going to make fun of me. There's an eroticism to that sure. without being sexual. Yeah. Like, I know, like it's, it's really interesting to see or, someone like, I'm focusing on this thing that some people would say, like, your nose is too big, which has been said about Lady Gaga in the past. I, yeah, it's like, no, I, I find this beautiful. I don't know. Maybe, maybe eroticism's the wrong, the wrong word. word. I, I just, I, I love that. I think, you know what it is? What, what, what do we call Inclusivity? You know, this idea mm-hmm. that, yeah, the Hollywood standards of beauty, it's great. It's a great uh, F you to it. And I love the way they highlight it because it is gentle. It's not like, you know, it's, it's made in a favorable joke the way they talk about the billboard. It's hilarious. You can laugh along with it. Uh, yeah. And I think it's important that Lady Gaga has to back that up by being able to sing in the film. Yes. I, uh, we haven't seen the Barbara Streisand uh, film, but I'm guessing it's there too, because she also was made fun of her nose, Had right? the same thing, yeah. right. I think it's great. I think that played very well. I do actually like the restraint that they never show his dead body. Mm. I think that's such an interesting choice where like through visual cues, the dog outside, yeah. the silence, you kind of sort of hear in the, the background, the swinging yeah. leather strap and stuff. It's like, that's all we really need. We don't need to like go full well, more. Is, yeah. I feel like another director would maybe want to show that more gruesomely. Yeah, pornography. And this is what you and I kind of half argue about with sex scenes in films. There's a time mm. like when we watch If Bill Shoot Could Talk where it is romantic and necessary because it does set a context of a relationship. But often... It's pornographic because somebody just wants to touch themselves while they're shooting it. And I think sure. there's gore porn as well. Uh, we tried to watch sure. something on Netflix and we had to turn it off because it's just, it's like trying to show people getting dissected for the sake of right. like having someone have practical effects and intestines spilling out of their body. It doesn't help the story. So I agree with you. I think doing something shocking at the end of this would have destroyed its authenticity. So. I think it would have cheapened it a bit. Yes. I think. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the point of showing that. Last thing, I know you say you don't like that last song that she performs, but one part I like about it is just as she's going to that high note, it cuts right away to them playing at the piano. Didn't you uh, think so it took too long to get there? I don't know. I I think there would have Maybe, been... Maybe, but I just think I like that idea of cutting back to yes. the formation of that song yes. rather than hearing what that high note is going to be. Yeah. So yeah, maybe they could have done it quicker, yeah. but I just like the idea of like cutting back to that original creation yeah, form. I, I th- I'll agree with you. I think... The way she performs it on the stage, and this goes to our criticism of the timeline. It's just, it, it moves so quick that, you know, he's just found dead. She goes through this period of grieving. It feels like a day. Obviously, it's not. And then she performs at the memoriam. And then it's like this, yeah, Whitney Houston-esque pop operatic ballad. And it just, how long did it stay in that pocket? Three minutes, you know? Yeah, a little too probably. much. She breaks the fourth wall. And then all of a sudden, they're having this sweet moment at a piano and he actually wrote it. I don't know. I, I don't know how you could recut it. Maybe you could have led with them writing it much earlier in the film and it becomes a callback. I have no idea. But I like the idea of it. Uh, and I like hearing mm-hmm. them as a duet to finish the film. But there was just something inauthentic for me about that final performance. I really didn't enjoy it. Maybe I was already out of the zone. I was out of the pocket by then. <laughs> I'm not sure. Out of the danger zone? Yikes. We're done here. All right. Well, the machine says that we do have to wrap things up here. So we should move into Critics' Choice. Dave, you do have some stuff that you're going to have to read here. So you might want to open up the document. Oh, 
I forgot you make me do work now. But uh, this is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time the film was released. The positive side of things, I'm going to go to Wenli Ma from news.com.au. So they're in Australia. She writes, um, while imperfect, A Star is Born is a satisfying and emotionally evocative epic. Only it had managed to maintain the intoxicating allure of its first hour. Look at us. This is basically what we said. Yeah. Look at us. <laughs> Which I agree. That that first bit is like... We're slowly becoming movie critics. I love it. I know. We should start a blog would, and maybe we'll get published. A blog. Yeah. I, I would be watching that first 40 minutes over and over. I think it's like really great filmmaking yes. that happens in there. So you chose two... Chinese people. Lee Lai of Mediaversity Reviews. The movie's gender dynamics remain fully intact from its 1937 origins. Ali is controlled and manipulated by powerful men from start to finish, and some of the more emotionally abusive scenes can be disturbing to watch. What the fuck? That's a weird... Is that a legitimate criticism? I just I feel like that brings way too much personal context into reviewing a film. That's a really weird way to read this movie. I, I agree that there's some emotional abuse going on. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether that's um, cross the line or not. I mean, he does call her ugly at one point. Well, that's... <laughs> Once you see it in the tub, but... I guess my question is, like, are we... Is Allie not empowered? But is that a bad thing? I, I mean, guess. she's a pretty strong individual human being from the beginning of the film. It's not like... Uh, she gains courage through a white male savior. You know, she's in yeah. fact well, what, what's, always the anchor what, in this film. So Yeah, what, what I think is actually so fascinating about all of the renditions of this movie, uh, I guess, again, apparently, is it's actually the inverse of what normally happens, yeah. which is like a man does something because a woman dies. Yeah. And this is actually the inverse of that, where it's like, no, it's like she comes into her own, well, she kind of loses her way. And then the shock of him killing himself is like, actually, this is what I want to focus on instead. Well, the other thing for me when I'm watching this film is I don't get the sense that Bradley Cooper's character made uh, Lady Gaga's character famous. He gave her a break because he sure. recognized her talent. But I thought was interesting about this, it didn't strike me in that white savior sense where it's like, oh, she could only have made it because this guy is so powerful. You know, even the opening scene was so intentional that she punches a guy in the face super randomly at a bar because right. we're learning from the get-go that she's, uh, she doesn't really take shit from anybody, which I think is fascinating. Well, it doesn't take shit, but I, I mean, they talk about this all the time about, it's one thing about getting a break. It's There's another thing about being ready to have that right. break happen. And they talk about that in the film too, right? They do. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, great. Yes. He gave her a platform, but she was talented. She could write her own songs and she knew what was... She's already uh, performing. She, it's not right, like one of those weird... She to perform yeah, yeah. And, hold, and hold that performance. Yeah. You throw someone who's like, yeah, I've written a couple of songs and I've uploaded something. Oh, they throw up. You put them on a they stage. throw up if there's 50,000 people. It'll yeah. literally shit your pants. Yeah, absolutely. I actually don't think that that second review has any weight I'm also trying to imagine, I mean, not to be an asshole and pick on this one review, but if you take out gender politics and like, can you reimagine this film? What makes it better to, to female main character? It doesn't change the story, right? If right. both of them are non-binary, does it make it more telling? It doesn't because it's about human character. It has nothing to do with gender politics. Well, Dave, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? Uh, I think it holds up reasonably well. Yeah. Uh, cultural relevance... I'm going to say yes, because I think this is a film that could be remade in another 20 years, because the core concept has nothing to do with 
uh, what's yeah, happening we'll today, right? Well, we'll see how it goes, right? Uh, time will tell. It'll be about my TikTok or feeling, something. my impression here is that there is still a great love of the Judy Garland version. The Barbara Streisand version is slowly being forgotten, uh, and this one is considered the second best. So who knows? Maybe this will become what people's primary uh, entry point is into this. Well, it does, I don't film, know. Uh, having yeah, not having seen the Judy Garland, I can't say if it'll usurp that, but I definitely think from a story perspective, it can definitely be retold again. It's not stuck in a pocket. I think it also depends on uh, Lady Gaga herself. If she remains a bit relevant, mm. I think that this yeah, film will point. continually pop up yeah, too. But, as a musician, yes. Uh, just like the the myth of Judy Garland yeah. <laughs> keeps keeps going on. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we do need to rate this film though, but before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. So what do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on twitter or instagram with the handle katie vstm we also release videos on our youtube channel and if you want to see our entire list of the films that we've watched and the ratings we've given you can go to our letterboxd page that's letterboxd.com slash katie vstm and if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse you can go to our patreon page there is a link in the show notes of this episode you can support for as low as a dollar per month. Something that you can do for absolutely free is leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. Let's get to the rating on this movie. Dave, what are you going to give A Star is Born 2018 edition out of five? I've been struggling with a number even after I turned the film off. And for the last 10 days, I think it's been getting lower. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think I might go with a three and a half. I was thinking about a four, but mm-hmm. the more we talk about how it rests on its first hour, let's say, sure. uh, it makes me f- worry about, you know, if I just watched the second half by itself, would it even be a good movie? I'm not sure. So I'm going to go with three and a half. If we were just doing the first opening act, it's a five. It's an amazing yeah. thing to yeah. start off. Yeah. I am going to give it a four. Like I said at the very beginning here, I kind of like this in spite of itself. All these nitpicks do add up over a while, yeah. but uh, I enjoy my time revisiting this movie. So it's going to average to 3.75. We're going to be rounding that down to a 3.5. Uh, it doesn't tie with anything, though. So it's going to enter our list at the new number five position right below Black Panther, right above Black Klansman. Again, we have only watched mm. nine films I'm okay so far. With that. No, so. I think that's a good spot for it. So let's find out what we're going to watch next week, Dave. I'm going to push this button. Ooh, shutter. Uh, Sound effect of shutter. Dave, it's going to be another negative episode because this is another movie I actively hate. We're going to be watching Vice. Mm, I've never seen it. Vice. How, how did you like Don't Look Up, Dave? I rage quit after mm-hmm. about 30. What if I told you this 30? one is worse? <laughs> 20 or 30 <laughs> minutes and I almost punched my controller to turn it off. Good thing. So you only have an hour and 50 more minutes of movie to watch in Vice. <laughs> Vice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, maybe you maybe will surprise me, Dave. We have other great movies like Venom to look up for too. So. <laughs> there, are, there are the d- Venom defenders out there. I am not one of them. I also think that movie is pretty terrible. But, I haven't uh, seen it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, oh. You will actively will. been avoiding it for the last five years all right great we're basically going to be going from the best spider-man movie to the worst sort of spider-man yeah. movie. universe all right well dave uh i guess we should reply to this note do you have stamps S- people still have stamps uh no. yes i have one of those adhesive ones that you can oh, nice. purchase they don't sell lick oh. stamps anymore do they they don't is no. that because of seinfeld but i still do like them yeah so it's fun <laughs>
Your life is a complete travesty.